Come on, somebody. Somebody. Come on. Should I preach in my Halloween costume or no? No. This is a little sacrilegious. I don't know. But, uh, I mean, we are. If, if you have Jesus inside of you, that means you have the Trinity in your heart. It's a crazy reality. But uh, I won't, I won't uh, preach in my Halloween costume because it's a little hot anyways. Levi, you want to grab this table? How many people love Levi Switzer, everyone? Let's give it up. Come on. He is one of the best, most raw, real people I know. And uh, he's a wannabe gangster, too. That's for sure. He's got a grill on, and he's wearing fake Yeezys. You know you're desperate when you got fake Yeezys. Peter, where you at? Peter, CY, where you at? I'm just kidding. Those are real? Dude, they're fake, man. Just kidding. Maybe they're not fake. How's everybody doing tonight? Are you guys doing good? Are you guys all right? You guys having fun? You guys are really quiet tonight. What's going on? You guys good? Come on. Well, this is what we do at youth all the time, and this is going to push a lot of you out of your comfort zone. I'm the youth pastor here at First Assembly Church, and my name is James, and it's an honor to be in here. But here's what we're going to do. Check this out. I mean, balcony, you're more than invited, and some of you are going to hate this. But what we're going to do, because there's just not that many of us, which is okay. It's Halloween. People are at the club. That's fine. What we're going to do is we're going to move right into these two sections, the middle, like these three sections right here. So if you're in this section, and if you're in that section, just move on in. I'm preaching literally to Mikey right now, okay? Balcony, we want to invite you down. Come check out the lower bowl. Literally, I, if I went to a concert, I'd want to be in the lower bowl. Now, I guess you guys like the nosebleeds. That's all right. Thank you guys for participating. You are amazing. Just cuddle up to somebody. Hey, there's lots of room right in the middle. I know you guys hate this, but it's for a purpose. One of the worst things I hate is sitting alone. And I know you probably like sitting alone, but come, come, come. My friend Dave wants to sit with you. Come on up. Come on up. Everybody, let's give it up for Dave. Come on. Well, tonight is going to be a fun night. Uh, thank you for being here. Again, if you're a guest with us, we are so pumped to meet you and, uh, we're so glad you're here. Again, you could be anywhere. You could be at Cowboys. You could be at Commonwealth. You could be anywhere. I've never been to any of those places. You could be at Ranchman's where Cool Runnings was filmed. Has anybody seen Cool Runnings? Sanka man, you dead? Yeah, man. Hey, kiss my lucky egg. Has anybody seen that? Dude, it's, I, I, I told the youth about it the other day, and they're like, what is Cool Runnings? I'm like, it was filmed in Calgary, man. Ranchman's. But uh, tonight I get the amazing honor and privilege of closing up a series. We've been, as you can see, in the Destination series. And uh, what it's just been all about is in life, each and every one of us have a destination. Kind of the slogan of this series has been direction, I mean, uh, intention doesn't determine destination but your direction. You know, we can have good intentions in life, and we can, you know, want the best for ourselves. We can want the best for our friends and our family. But until we point ourselves in that direction, get on the path and go, nothing's going to happen. Your intentions going to be great. 
But until you change something in your lifestyle and in the way you walk, nothing will change. So I get the amazing privilege of wrapping it up. And uh, we're about to go into a series with Pastor Tim. He is trick-or-treating with his kids and his, all his neighbors. He's taking advantage of tonight, getting all the candy he can. But he sends his love. He says hello. And uh, he loves you guys and misses you tonight. But uh, we were about to go into a series because on this journey that each you, each you, me, and everyone in this room are on, we need some tools. We need the power. We need, we need uh, equipping in our lives to help us get from point A to point B. So the next series we're going into is going to be a lot of fun, and you're not going to want to miss out on that. But we're going to get right into it. If I had a title and I was forced to make a title, um, it, it, my title of my message tonight, if you're taking notes, does anybody take notes in here? Come on, somebody. I don't take notes. Well, sometimes I take notes. But if, I, if you are taking notes, the title of my message is Just Do It. Uh, it's a dumb title. It's a great slogan for Nike. I love Nike. I lived in Portland. That's where Nike's from. And I had a bunch of friends who worked for Nike. And I got mad discounts. Um, but if, you, uh, if you're writing notes, you can take that down. And also, if you're writing notes, you could take down this amazing passage verse. It's in uh, the... Uh, Ecclesiastes, and it's Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verses 1 to 6. Does anybody have their Bible tonight? Okay, you can flip to that. If you don't, that's totally cool. We got it up on the screen. So let's all read together. You guys want to read with me? Okay, on the count of three, let's read this together. One, two, three. Be generous. Invest in acts of charity. Charity yields high returns. Next verse. Yes, don't hoard your goods, but spread them around. Be a blessing to others. This could be your last night. Pause. That's intense. It's Halloween. It's a little intense. A little context for this verse. The guy who's writing it is a guy named Solomon. He was a dude in the Bible that was really rich. Scholars say he was one of the richest people to ever live on the planet. He was also, the thing that he was known for was his wisdom. Uh, and he's writing basically at the end of his life. He's giving some advice to the people around his kingdom and around the world. For all the people that would ever read the Bible, he's giving some practical advice because he's had his ups and downs. You know, we all know Solomon had, you know, well, we don't all know that. But uh, if you didn't know that, uh, he had 700 wives and 300 concubines or the reverse. He was an idiot. He was the smartest dude but the dumbest dude at the same time. And, uh, but he's giving some advice. So let's keep going. When... When the clouds are full of water, man, you guys are really good at reading this verse. Come on, somebody. All right, keep going. (laughs) When the wind blows down a tree, it lies where it falls. Don't sit there watching the wind. Do your own work. Don't stare at the clouds. Get on with your life. Next verse. Just as you'll never understand the mystery of life forming in a pregnant woman. I definitely don't get that. So you'll never understand the mystery at work in all that God does. Next verse. Go to work in the morning and stick it to the evening without watch. Did I say it right? Stick it until. Sorry, not stick it to the evening. Stick it until the evening without watching. Pause. How many people at work, literally all they're looking at is that clock on the wall, just like, when is this over? Class, is anybody in university like, shoot, when is this over? This is the best part. Read this. You never know from the moment to moment how your work will turn out in the end. God, I just pray that uh, 
tonight's a weird night, and it's a weird feeling, and uh, God, I just pray that your presence would just come right now. God, we just take a moment, and we just invite your Holy Spirit to come into this room right now. Whatever it is that's in the way of, of us living a life with you, God, I just pray that uh, tonight something would shift. Tonight something would change. God, would you teach us? In Jesus' name, everybody said. Hey, you guys are doing great. Love you guys. Have you ever had a moment in your life where you were just like so unmotivated? Has anybody ever had that? You're just like lazy, like crazy, like crazy. Have you ever had that over here? Have you ever just literally like sat on your couch all day long and just like lurked Netflix? Has anybody ever done that? I have done that many times. I got a confession to make. I did that yesterday. We had an amazing retreat, but I got like four hours of sleep each night. And I literally, after church, came home at 2.30 p.m., laid on my couch, got to my zone, and, and I literally watched football from 2.30 till 10.30 p.m., ate some food, and literally shut my brain off. It was one of the most beautiful things you could ever do, but let me tell you, I felt lazy after that. I literally, my wife was about to go to sleep, and I'm like, I just, I gotta do something. I gotta go talk to her, and uh, I'm like, so I'm like, all right, I just, I just gotta go talk to my wife. So I went, and uh, laid in bed, and was just chatting. She's like, I'm about to go to sleep. Literally, this happens all the time, where I'm, I'm like ready to talk, and she's like, I'm ready to go to sleep. We have different schedules, which is okay, but anyways, long story short, she woke up sick this morning because I kept her up for another hour. Because she's a good woman and she loves to talk to her husband. And, uh, but there's so many times in my life, I'm just being real with y'all. I will literally lurk Instagram for like hours. My thumb literally gets sore. Has anybody ever had that? Where you're like, you're like right here, right here. It's like, oh man, that's, it hurts. Like, man, man, it, it, it hurts. Like, or, or have you, you know, you know, like, want to hear something depressing about my life? I'm just being real with y'all this evening. Literally, this is a depressing stat. I was thinking, like, I wonder how much time I've wasted watching television. Has anybody ever wondered that? Okay, thanks, Allison. I'm glad you've never wondered that. But I have. And I was, I was sitting, you know, I was just thinking about it. I'm like, okay, my favorite TV show is this TV show called Lost. Anybody like Lost? So Lost will blow your mind. If you haven't seen it, go see it. But uh, I watched Lost when it was on, and um, just to be exact, it has 121 episodes, which equals around 45 minutes, so it's about 5,445 minutes, which equals 90 hours, which equals 3.7 days. And the worst part about it, I watched all of that, but then I watched it again with my wife. So literally for one week straight of my life, I have been watching Lost. Imagine what I could have done at that time. Even more depressing, there's this show 24, anybody love Jack Bauer? Oh, got a little more action there. I love the action. You know, you know what's going to happen. Some bomb is going to go off, and Jack Bauer is going to save the day, and literally he gets shot, like, in every single episode, but never dies. It's amazing. Literally, the last series was Die Another Day. I think that was a James Bond movie, but whatever. Nine seasons, two and four episodes, 9,180 minutes, 150 hours, 6.3 days, and I've seen them all. Have you, isn't that depressing? You got, see, you guys can't even say anything. You're so depressed because of the facts of my life. You know, maybe you've been there, maybe you've not, and that's okay, and I totally get that. Uh, but vegging, I'm a professional at, and maybe you're not, but that's okay. Have you, ever felt, have you ever felt discouraged in your life? Have you ever felt 
you know, you, like, you're not good enough? Have you ever felt like you're, you know, you're unworthy? Have you ever felt like your life isn't mattering? Levi was preaching my message. Have you ever felt uh, like just you've disqualified yourself? I think sometimes in life on this journey we're on, on, the, on this, this, like, I got to make my life matter, as Levi was saying. I got to make 2016 count. Sometimes we, we were thinking about that, we're dreaming about that, and we're asking God, how am I going to do this? And then all of a sudden we're distracted or we're discouraged with either Netflix or, you know, our girlfriend broke up with us or we didn't get that job or we didn't get, you know, that promotion at work or we didn't get into that school we wanted to. And oftentimes... We find ourselves when we want to go somewhere being either discouraged or distracted. I remember a time in my life, um, you know, my life goal as a teenager was, you know, to look fresh for the ladies, to get ladies, and to look fresh, and to eat McDonald's. That, those are my life goals as a teenager, and I remember this one time, um, my literally, my little routine was like gaming, eating pizza, gaming, eating pizza, gaming, eating pizza. Oh, my other life goal is to be good at Halo. And uh, I remember this one time I was at this camp. And, you know, it's the altar call. It's like when people are like crying and like meeting with Jesus. And, you know, my, again, since, my, since my, my life goals were to get with the ladies, I'd be like, yeah, girl, can I pray for you? Yeah. Hey, I got you, girl. You know, like rub their back and be like, Yeah. It's okay. God loves you, and so do I. Yeah. Yeah. What's your name? Do I need to lay on hands, somebody? You know, they made the rule, oh, guys with guys and girls with girls with camp because of me. But I remember, you know, I was in my zone. I was, you know, like in my zone with the, with the ladies praying with them. This is, I'm kind of joking here, but I'm not kind of joking. I was in, in the zone, and uh, all of a sudden, I hear, in, after the preach is done, I vaguely remember what he preached about, something about bronze and silver and gold, but uh, whatever. Uh, and I hear the, my, vo- my name come over the mic. He's like, James. I thought it was God. I was like, oh, shoot. <laughs> like, I, was just, I was just praying for God. Don't worry. Don't worry. I wasn't going to get a number, God. And uh, uh, this guy named Steve Osmond. He used to pastor this church. He called me up, and I didn't really know him at the time. He was just the camp speaker, and I was just a punk 15, 16-year-old kid. And he called me up, and uh, he said, James, in your life, you've been settling for bronze. He didn't, he didn't know exactly what I was doing at the time. I was just, because I was so insecure and I so wanted attention from people and I so wanted to feel affirmed by, by being a part of the cool crowd, by, by getting the ladies, because that's just what dudes do. It's dumb, it's stupid, and, and uh, not all dudes, just teenage dudes. I work with junior hires and senior hires. Um, and I was just going through a stupid season of being unmotivated and doing nothing with my life. And and Steve called me up, and he got a prophetic word. He said, James, you're settling with your life. Why are you wasting your time? Why are you, um, it was, uh, I mean, it could have been a tad embarrassing, because it was like, dude, you just exposed me in front of all my girls, man. What the heck? And uh, he, he said to me after, he's like, uh, during, while I was up on stage, and by this time, I, I started crying because God was moving in my heart. He said, James, God wants to do this in your life. God wants to make your life matter. God wants you to not settle for bronze, but to go for gold. As cheesy as that sounds, but it really related to, to you know, teenagers' lives. And, and uh, I just remember being so 
so touched that I'm like, okay, God, I'm going to do it. I'm motivated now. You told me what my calling is, and hopefully each and every one of us have a calling on our life, have a destination for our life, have a purpose on our life, and, and our, our life goal is to fulfill that purpose, whatever that is. That I don't know what it is for you. I only know what it is for me, and it was ministry, which is what I'm doing right now. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to apply to Bible school. Last week, Pastor Tim preached a message, and he kind of used me as his example, and he was saying it actually costs something to reach your destination. So I'm like, okay, I'm, yeah, I'm going to, you know, I want to be a pastor, so I'm like, I'm going to go to Bible school. You know, I'm going I'm to do my thing. I'm going to get my degree. And I, I applied to a Bible school. Long story short, they said, sorry, you can't come. You're 16. So I'm like, whatever, screw that place. I'm going to apply to another Bible school. Nothing's going to get in the way from God's will in my life. And uh, he, I applied to another Bible school, and they said the exact same thing. So I'm like, what the heck, God? What, are you, what, what am I supposed to do? So literally the next day, um, he gave me a job. A guy came to my door and said, hey, do you want this job? And uh, it was an amazing job. And, it, it, like, the job sucked, but, like, the pay was really good. Like, I was getting paid as a teenager more than I am right now. And uh, it, was, it was legit. And uh, during that time, my boss, uh, Bill White, he was a beauty. Uh, he had been there for, like, 30 years. And I'm like, dude, this job is, like, just boring, man. Why would you stay here for 30 years? And uh, he, he told me a story. He's like, you know, James... I feel really disrespected by you right now. This job is actually pretty awesome. <laughs> he didn't say that. But he's like, you know, James, when I was your age, I started a company with a friend. I started a company with a friend, and um, it was going well, but there was a lot of risk involved. You had to put your own money in it. And I kind of just looked at myself and looked at my family and one day said, uh, I don't think I want to risk this. And, and he's like, you know, some days I regret that uh, because my partner that continued on with the business is a multimillionaire. He started a very successful construction company in Edmonton area. And he's like, some days I regret that, but um, I'm doing what I'm doing, and I'm going to do the best I can. And he actually was a man of vision. He would say, James, I want to create Devon, Alberta. Literally, it's the worst town in the world. I want to create Devon, Alberta. I want to create it a place that my grandkids' kids can live in and love. So he was in charge of infrastructure and developing the town. And uh, in that season, I was making great cash. I was just doing my thing, you know, like living it up, like get, buying stuff all the time. And the number one temptation for me in that season and kind of in this day, the number one temptation for me was to be like Bill. Although he could have been a multimillionaire, been a CEO over at a successful company, he settled for something less. Now, he had his own reasons. I'm not judging. But what my temptation was, was I could go to Bible school or I could just chill here. I could just be comfortable. I could just do what I want. I could just, you know, make good money, live for the weekends like all of my friends. And, and, and what, what would happen in Devon was what, what everyone would do. There was like three people that got out of Devon. God bless their soul. But what everyone would get stuck in is they graduate high school, have aspirations to go to college, to get a, an amazing career. And then they'd go start working on the rigs because Devon was an oil town. And what would happen was they would just simply become complacent and content because they were making good money. Why do I have to go pay for school? Why do I have to do that? And that was the number one temptation for me. And I think oftentimes in our way, on our destination, what will happen, this is my first point, is the devil will, will try to distract you from your calling with something good but not great. You will be in your life 
life, lives, I was about to say lives, life, I'm Australian, mate. You will be in your life and you will have aspirations and vision and calling and destination and purpose. And the devil will do everything in his power to distract you with something good so that you won't do what you're supposed to do. Because he knows if you're doing what you're supposed to do, if you're in your sweet spot that God has called you, you will be a powerhouse in this world and you will make your life matter and you will, as Levi said, change the world. No matter what you're doing. How many people have been there where it's like, you, you know, you were, you're reaching for something, but you settled for something else. Has anybody been there except me? I think we've been there. And this is what the devil does to each and every one of us. He'll try to distract us with something simple. If he can't distract you with something, the second thing he'll try to do is he'll try to discourage you. Discouragement is one of the greatest weapons of the devil. You won't get that promotion. You, 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 didn't, you didn't get into that Ivy League school you wanted to. You didn't, you didn't make the basketball team. You, 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 didn't, you didn't. He'll throw things at you time and time and time again. If he can't distract you, he'll try to discourage you. There's this, there's this guy named Kevin Carter. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. Um, he was a, a South African, and he was Caucasian, and... Uh, his story is so powerful because what happened in his life, uh, he graduated high school and he went to university to become a pharmacist. Now after that, uh, halfway through his university schooling, he dropped out of school and uh, he uh, enlisted into the army. Whatever happened, I don't know exactly what happened. I could assume he lost vision or got discouraged or whatever. Uh, we can assume things, but... Um, Anyways, he joined the army, and, and what was happening in South Africa at that time in the 1980s uh, was this thing called apartheid. Does anybody know what apartheid is? Does anybody know who Nelson Mandela is? Mandela man. Um, he, joined, he, joined the, he joined the military. And I'm South African, so I, I kind of know a little bit of history. He joined the military, and uh, he saw some of his uh, fellow servicemen abusing and, and beating up and disrespecting a lot of the, the so now here, here, let me explain the context. There's, in South Africa, there's white people, there's colored people. Yeah, it sounds racist. It's not, in South Africa, it's actually the term. And then there's black people. So black people, like, um, were black people and colored people, if you weren't white, you were discriminated against against the government and against and against the, uh, like, force. My dad was from South Africa, and he was, he was colored, and he got discriminated against because of just the color of skin. So anyways, uh, Kevin Carter, he saw this happening, and he was just so discouraged. He's like, well, I'm trying to make a difference with my life. I'm trying to serve my country, and I'm just doing something wrong. So he went AWOL, he left, and he became a DJ, uh, and uh, that didn't work out. And then after that, he... Uh, enlisted back into the military, and uh, he, he was in the military serving, and he, and he witnessed this bombing that was called the Church Street Bombing in Pretoria, South Africa, and it, and it killed 19 people and uh, injured 217 other people. And he was so discouraged, and so he's like, we're not doing anything. We're not making change. We're not affecting anything. So after his time of service, he finished it out. He became a photojournalist. He said, I want to make my life matter. I want to, I want to do something that matters. So he's a, a very famous photojournalist. And, and many of you may have recognized this picture that he took. If you want to put it on the screen, I'll tell the story of it. 
Um, this was in the New York Times, and he, he, got, he won a ton of awards for uh, writing this story. And it was obviously, as you can see, uh, a starving girl um, on her last moments. And this vulture was waiting for it to die, for her to die, so that it could feed on her, on her, on her dead carcass. And he took this picture, and uh, you can leave it up there. And he, he took this picture and, and wrote an amazing story about it. And, you know, he's trying to make his life matter and um, trying to, you know, bring awareness to what's happening in South Africa. And uh, what ended up happening was a couple months later, everyone, every, all the people that read the article, they were writing in and saying, what happened to the girl? What happened? Is she okay? Can we do anything? Can we, can we help? What, is she okay? And, and all he could respond was, I don't know. What ended up happening was he just shooed the vulture away and then left and wrote his story. And uh, a couple months later, after he was getting all these letters, he just was so discouraged. It, it led him into a deep depression, and he ended up taking his life a few months later. And, I'll, you know, I haven't been there, and I haven't, um, I'm not, I haven't been in his shoes, but one thing... I feel about our generation is oftentimes uh, we get distracted and discouraged and discouraged enough just to be in the room when change is happening, not doing it. Just to take a picture of it and say, yeah, I, I, I was there. We, our generation is, there's, some, there's something about it where, you know, Kickstarters are amazing, but sometimes we can get temporarily satisfied with, with, oh, I donated to that, you know, Charity Water, it's amazing, I went to the gala. It was, it was legit. And it, don't get me wrong, generosity is amazing, and, and donating to Kickstarters is incredible. But something inside of us longs to make our life matter. And when we don't, it will lead to depression. It will lead to wanting to make your life count. And my prayer is that we don't end up like Kevin Carter. When my prayer is that we actually catch what our calling and what our purpose and what our destination is. My prayer is that by the end of tonight that God is going to speak to you in powerful ways and renew your mind and renew your calling and renew your vision. But I pray that we would also not be so satisfied or content with just being in the room and seeing it happen. I pray that there be something each in each and every single one of us with this discontentness in our heart that says, I have to do something about it. I have to do something about the brokenness and the pain in this world. I have to. I have to. And maybe, maybe you've, been, you've been thinking about this. Maybe you haven't. Maybe you're doing great. Maybe you're whatever, and, and that's okay, and we're all on a journey. We're all on our own story, and I love that, and we love that. We love you guys. But what I want to tell you tonight, as Ben comes back to the piano, what I want to tell you is no matter where you are, no matter if you're distracted or discouraged, no matter if the enemy has gotten the best of you, no matter what, God can redeem your story. God can get you back on track. God can take your mess and make it beautiful. There's a story of another South African man. Uh, his name was Richard, and he was also Caucasian, and he was also in the military. And uh, a little bit about his story, a little bit of background. Uh, he was, uh, grew up with a family of 13 children, 
And uh, when he was three years old, his dad, when, when he was three years old, drowned at sea. So this, this man named Richard, he was raised by his brothers and sisters, and he had, he had a single mom who had zero time for him. And uh, he, was raised, he was raised by his brothers and sisters, and, and all they knew how to do was discipline him. Like, by literally beating him. All they knew how to do was, that's wrong. I need to, I need to make, make sure that you don't do that. So he would get beat up by his siblings. He would get abused. He had no attention from his mom. And he became a very angry, angry, angry young man. And uh, this man, you know, served in the military. And, and he was just angry about everything. You know, in life, you may not get dealt the best set of cards. In life... You know, as, as, as the author was saying, you know, you may, when, when the wind and the rain come, it's going to come. There's no doubt about it. He's saying, trust me, guys, your life isn't going to be easy. The wind and the rain and the, and the storm will come in your life. And it came in Richard's life. And he enlisted in the army and, 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 and he, he finished his term and became a fisherman. And uh, by this time, he was about 30, uh, 30 years old and fished for a few years. And by the age of 40, he... He met this lady named Mavis, and Mavis was colored. Uh, Mavis was a Filipino uh, woman, and, and uh, they got married. Uh, Richard was 10 years older than her. They got married, and, and in, one year into their marriage, one year into their marriage, Mavis got saved by someone who said, I've had enough with the hurt and brokenness. Met Mavis on the street, told her about Jesus. And uh, gave her life to Jesus that day. Her life was never the same. And um, God's love came into her life and into her heart and inspired her and gave her strength to make it through an abusive husband who just was part of a vicious cycle that couldn't get out of it. He didn't know how to love someone purely or purely. He didn't know how to say, I love you. Um, year later, Richard gets saved through his wife. And... Uh, as the story goes, Richard gets called into the ministry. He's about 40 years old at this time. He's an alcoholic. And uh, what ends up happening, no Bible college degree, no, no nothing, no training, no, no nothing. He ends up uh, starting a church. So he starts a church, sees people get saved, sees people get whole, sees people get healthy, sees poverty leave. And he was starting these churches in what they call shanty towns, which are basically like ghettos in South Africa and Cape Town. And uh, he ends up planting one, he ends up planting two, and by the end of his life, he planted seven churches and saw tens of thousands of people saved that came to Jesus and found wholeness and love in Jesus. And uh, he had six kids. Now, five of those kids also became pastors. Uh, and one of them became, uh, he was a mechanical engineer, and he uh, started a company in Cape Town that was uh, had won so many awards for some of the best architectural design. Uh, his company built airports, and, and uh, literally when FIFA was there, uh, the company got the first offer to say, hey, we want you to build all the stadiums for FIFA. Uh, anyways, he supports the ministry. But one of, one of his kids was uh, this guy named Simon, and he was my dad. And uh, Simon also grew up in apartheid, and he experienced uh, uh, incredible pain from persecution for being colored, not having his skin be white. And uh, anyways, he, 
he, because he was colored, he was, he was blacklisted on. He could not study in university. He, couldn't, he basically was limited to doing nothing with his life because, through the government. And uh, long story short, he snuck out to Canada and uh, literally, like, he had to, like, jump the border because South Africa wouldn't let him leave because they wanted to limit all of his opportunities. Uh, made his way to Canada. Canada accepted him, got a visa. He planted a church. He met my mom. And, uh, and now I'm here today. And I'm sure you can catch kind of what I'm saying now, no matter where you are. You know, it's, it's easy to think, oh, man, Jesus took a bunch of disciples, the 13, 14, 15-year-olds, and turned their life around. But Richard, he was 40 years old. He was past his prime. He missed the boat. He, he, and it wasn't his fault. He just never had an opportunity to hear about Jesus. He missed it. But at 40 years old, Jesus came into his life and took his story and flipped it upside down. And now to this day, as the verse, you can put it back up there, the last verse, it says, you never know what your work will do moment to moment. You'll never know how your work will turn out until the end. Well, he died a couple of years ago and his wife passed away 10 days later. And I got the privilege of going to their funeral. And over 3,500 people from around the world flew to his funeral, literally in a massive stadium. And you may be sitting there thinking, oh, I can't do that. I'm not, I'm not good enough. I, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm, un, I, I'm just, I'm just discouraged, James. I have these dreams and I've, I've lost them. I feel like I've missed it. Maybe you're sitting in this room and, or maybe you're just simply unmotivated. You're, James, I don't know how to get out of this. I don't know how to get out of this funk, this season. I don't, I just, I, you know, we, we all have reasons. We all have, we all have them. We do. But when, but when God comes into your life, in a new way. He may already be in your life. He may not be in your life at all. But when he comes into your life and when you say yes to him, he can take your brokenness and he can turn it upside down. He can take dust and create life out of it, which is what he did with Adam. He can take a rib out of Adam's side and make Eve out of it. And he can make a world with just the sound of his voice. And if you don't think he can take your life and make it into something beautiful, you're a fool. All God wants to do is help you. All God wants to do is, is run with you. All God wants to do is be your friend. And he gave us his example, his son. Jesus came down to earth, a man just like you and I. He lived a life, I mean, if you're a woman, he wasn't just like you and I, sorry. Uh, a human just like you and I is what you're meant to say. Lived a life went through pain, went through trial, was a carpenter, had a job, struggled with all the same temptations that you and I have. But he had a destination. That destination wasn't too fun. It was the cross. And Jesus came and it says in the scripture that it says, the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. 
while you were in Romans, it says while you were an enemy of him, while you were a sinner, it means you weren't, you weren't anything. You were nothing. You were an enemy of God. He sent his only son at the right time to reconcile you and I to him. And when we come to him time and time again, and we could be far away from him, we could be close to him in this moment, wherever you're at, he has made a way for you and your life to count and to matter. And the thing that my grandpa would say to me, he said, James, if you want to go into the ministry, be prepared to have it to be hard. If you want to make your life count, be prepared for it to suck some days. In our generation, we see these amazing leaders and people, and, and I'm, I, I, I see these people that I'm like, I aspire to be like that. I want their job. I want their platform. I want, their, I want to write a book like they did. And, and the question that God just continued asking me is, James, are you willing to pay for it? with your life. James, are you willing to give it all for me? Now, you may not be saying, oh, yeah, I got to go into the ministry right now. But in whatever you do, whatever you do, are you willing to say, God, no matter what comes my my way, no matter what wind comes, no matter what storm comes, no matter what obstacles come my way, because you have called me, because I have a word from you, I'm going to do it no matter what. And here's the thing. Here's the beauty of it. Jesus, Jesus said, if, you're, if you are weary and heavy laden, come and cast your cares on me for I care. He, you may be in the season. You're like, I'm giving it my all, but I'm just tired. I'm burnt out. I'm struggling right now. Well, Jesus wants to take that off your shoulders. For he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What a yoke was in that time was, was, it was it, a yoke was like a harness for two oxen. And they'd be pulling something behind them, plowing the fields. And he said, my yoke on your life is easy. The call that God has for you, yes, it's going to be hard, but it's also going to be easy if you give it over to Jesus and let him make something beautiful out of it. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Jesus wants to take your burden. And he, he has a plan for you to make your life matter. Maybe you're in this room and you're like, I, I, I don't even know Jesus. Or, or you're in this room and you're like, man, I've tried Jesus before and he, it feels like he's let me down. But there's something in your heart saying, James, I, I want to know him again. I want to give it a second shot. Or I want to start a relationship for the first time now. Because I, I believe what you're saying. That Jesus came, died on the cross for my sins, for my failures, for my mistakes. And he wants to see me have life and life abundantly. Where the devil came to kill, steal, and destroy my life. And I'm feeling like that right now. Jesus came to give life and life abundantly. And James, I want that. James, I want my life to count. I want to start a relationship with Jesus. I want to hand over my life to him again. If that's you in this room, um, we're going to worship for a bit in a moment here. And uh, I'm, I'm obviously a fan of, you know, put your hand up. Let me pray for you. It's great. But uh, what I find is most often effective is when somebody prays with me personally. 
And if there's something going on in the inside or if you're just struggling with something, this community called Tehillah, why we do community groups is so that we don't do life alone. And uh, the band's going to sing this song, and I think it's so perfect and so timely because of the lyrics. And uh, if you could just put them up there, uh, just the verses would be great. But as you're thinking, as you're meditating on the words that are being spoken, sung over you, and you want to say, James, I want to I I start a relationship with Jesus. Well, um, we're just going to have some leaders at the front. Or, or James, I'm gonna, I, I want to get back on track. We're just going to have some leaders at the front. And uh, we'd just love to pray with you personally, give you a Bible, and walk with you and journey with you. Um, Jesus wants to take your life and make it matter. But until we give it over to him, the devil's going to get the best of us and distract us and discourage us. So that's also why you gave community. No matter where you're at, God can take what you have, the little you have. Jesus took two fish and five loaves and fed thousands. No matter what the little you have, he wants to take that and feed thousands with who you are. So why don't we all stand? sings this song uh, feel free to come get prayer we love to meet you but let's just let's just dwell in worship for a bit and uh, let's see where God takes us tonight okay